You're listening to The Bridge, a podcast on stories of courage, resilience, and innovation with me, Linda Fadrizi Williams, the president of Central Penn College. Welcome back to The Bridge Podcast, where we hear stories of courage, resilience, and innovation from our guests. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Fadrizi Williams, the president of Central Penn College. And the last time we were together, I had the pleasure of interviewing Central Penn alum, Kirsten Gulata. In addition to her client service responsibilities, she serves as the U.S. Indirect Tax Practice Leader. This practice provides consulting, refund reviews, compliance, severance, and property tax services to a diversified client base. In this role, she has overall responsibility for operations, marketplace, and talent matters occurring throughout the country. Kirsten earned her Bachelor of Science degree from Central Penn College and her Juris Doctorate from Widener University School of Law, where she graduated as valedictorian. Enjoy. lot of opportunities while you were in your studies at Central Penn and then Widener. And sometimes people will say, oh, she was lucky. She was in the right place at the right time. But luck really had nothing to do with it. You worked really hard. You studied on your lunch breaks. You just talked to us about that. You made sure that you were organizing your time down to the minute. When, when people say to you, it was luck, what's your response to that? The harder you work, the luckier you get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's good advice. And and yes, there is something about timing. But you mentioned something in our first interview. You have a lot of emphasis, even in your role now, on relationship building. A large part of your job is meeting people. It's, it's having a connection. You're deliberate, even in the virtual space, to have connections with your employees. Mm-hmm. Have your relationships helped you in your career path in terms of getting to the next level? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, where I am today at Deloitte, a large part of being successful is mentorship and sponsorship. And I think of it more so in the context of what I do for my team and how, you know, as as you advance in your career, you want your team to advance with you. And I think being successful, there's no way that I would ever be successful if I didn't have my team. And my team has been with me for, you know, probably 10 years. And so a large part of my success is by mentoring them and supporting them and giving them the tools that they need to be successful so that we can all elevate together. And then at FBS, when you continue to do well, you had an opportunity to become a part owner. Mm -hmm. How did that opportunity come about and what ultimately made you say yes? There was a partner that was retiring. Okay. And so the most senior employees were all offered an opportunity to um, own a part of that person's shares. So I obviously took the opportunity. It was a minority stake in the company at the time that grew over time. And, you know, I was 24 years old at the time. So to be a small business owner at that age, um, it was a lot. I mean, I had to mortgage my house. I had to, um, you know, sign bank loans where everything I owned was on the line. We had to make payroll every other week. And, you know, if 
if a big payment didn't come in, we we skipped getting paid that week so our employees would get paid. So it was a lot at a young age. But I think that mentality of kind of going all in on something that you're passionate about has really stuck with me throughout the rest of my career where it's a huge part of my life and something that I'm very passionate about. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the fact that you were 24 years old and being able to be a partner in a company, how drastically did your responsibility change overnight? I mean, what you're talking about, skipping getting paid so that you can make payroll for employees, that's probably not something that any 24-year-old ever even has to think about. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, And, you know, there were nights where I didn't sleep worrying about it, um, which was a part of the reason why the offer to join a large firm was so attractive, because then it wasn't all on my back. You know, if if someone's computer broke, it wasn't me trying to figure out how to fix it or go to Costco to buy a new computer for them. You know, it, right. it's just very different. Um, but I feel like I learned a lot just in terms of resiliency and keeping on, keeping on when things are difficult. Yeah. And that's a huge part of this podcast because our students are very resilient and they have similar stories, even just sometimes getting to college, what they have to go through to get there. Talk a little bit about the transition from FBS to Deloitte and how how did that opportunity come about and how did you ultimately end up making the decision to move to New York City? Yeah, so our firm, FBS, did a lot of work where there were international aspects of mm-hmm. it that we didn't have expertise in. Okay. So we teamed with Deloitte as a they were our, our subcontractor to help um, deliver some of those engagements. And through that teaming relationship, we got to know the folks at Deloitte quite well and just really worked great with them, with their culture, their mentality, their mindset. And so we found it to be very natural fit to kind of bring that relationship to the next level right. and have our team join the firm. Okay. So talk a little bit about moving from the Harrisburg suburbs <laughs> to making a decision to move to New York City. And at that point, I think you did have children. I did. Yeah. So my kids were, when we moved, my youngest was five months and my oldest was three. Oh, they were little. So... So yeah. they probably don't remember the necessarily the move, but they they lived in the city for some of their primary years. Yeah, I mean that's what they that's what they think of as home. Um, so it was it was a lot because the whole process of deciding that we wanted to go to Deloitte, move to New York City. I, I had a newborn. Yeah. So, oh, that's crazy. You know, we're selling our house here. We're you know selling the business. We're getting ready to move to a new city to start new jobs. It was probably one of the more difficult things I yeah. had ever been through, just in terms of all the changes. But it right. was all very positive changes. But it was exciting. I felt like. It was one of the points in my life where I'm kind of standing at the edge of a cliff thinking, do I jump? Yeah, yeah. And I jumped, and I don't regret it at all. I mean, it was the best decision I ever made. It was. I remember the first day that we actually got in New York City, and I had the kids in the stroller, and I was just walking around our new neighborhood, looking up and seeing the Freedom Tower. I'm thinking, this is this is so cool that this is where we live and this is our life, and the first day showing up at Rockefeller Plaza for work and looking out the window um, when we're doing our training sessions. It was kind of surreal. So that's right. You actually, so your headquarters are right in Rockefeller Center. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are you in 
what building are you actually in? 30 Rock. Oh, you are in 30 Rock. Mm -hmm. So when I interned, because my undergrad was actually in TV, radio, and film, I interned at NBC News. Oh, okay. Which is in the same building. Yeah. Um, and I was interning for the local New York station. So mm -hmm. I, Ralph Penza was a reporter at the time, and I was his intern. But it, that is where Saturday Night Live Yep. is taped and I would with all the other interns we would go up to that floor because there's only one floor above us and we would sneak in and watch them rehearsing oh, that's through so the cool. week because it was just the coolest thing and if anyone has never if you haven't been to Manhattan in the winter at during the holiday time it is the most magical place the tree the lights the festivities it was a it was a really cool experience for me cuz i so i did the opposite of you i didn't live in new york city but i lived in the suburbs of new york and then moved to central pennsylvania oh that's funny <laughs> with my with my young boys so a little bit different although the area from new york that i come from i come from the hudson valley so not terribly different from central pa not right. as drastic tell me about the biggest cultural change for you moving from this central pa region to the largest city in the world there's a lot um even just how I dress going to the office. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. You know, when I walked into 30 Rock, everyone was very fashionable. Yeah, and, it you is know, different. Every day, just completely dressed up where I wasn't used to that because when we owned our own business, we wore jeans and sneakers. So <laughs> just the, like dressing up every yeah, day was yeah. different. Grocery shopping was different um, because you basically get things delivered to your house. Otherwise, how do you walk around with a whole case of water? To I your wonder apartment? that. I wonder, like these people in really like tall high rises, how do you get your groceries just even from the street or a parking garage up to your apartment? Yeah, so there most of the buildings have um, like when you're at a hotel and you put your luggage on one of those carts. Oh, yeah. That's how you bring your that's groceries you up. But Holy if, cow! You know, if we wanted to go to Costco, it would be a half day event because we would have to, you know, get in the car, go to Costco, and then put load it up in the car. And then when you come back, you have to park your car at the apartment building, and then you have to get the the cart and then load everything up, and then wait and get on the elevator, and then bring it back, and then bring the car back. So it was. That's it's an whole, ordeal. Yeah, it was a whole ordeal. Where, and you had a five-month-old. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, so that's a whole level of complexity that I'm not sure people really think about. You know, when you have kids and you're doing that and you're carting your kids up and down. And yeah, that's a lot. That's it was a different. Totally different. Yeah, but there's a lot of benefits, too. Like, you know, when you have young kids, there's lots of doctor's appointments. Well, we didn't have to – I didn't have to lug the kids in, in the car seat in the car and do all that because you can just walk everywhere That's in New true. York. So That's it was true. nice to just walk to the doctor or just walk to the park, walk to school. So there was a lot of conveniences that did make being a mom of young kids a lot easier. Even better, right? Yeah. And things to do, museums and culture and – there's a whole lot to, to see and do there. What are some of the biggest things that you had to get used to? Probably the groceries and... Yeah, riding the subway. Okay. Um, so at, when I first moved there, I, I rode the subway to the office every day. Like I said, I, I worked and traveled a lot. So I found at one point in time that I hadn't worked out for like two years. I was gaining <laughs> weight. And so I started riding the city bike to work. Oh, so okay. that was really, really nice. Um, the city bikes are all over the city and you can just pick one up and then drop it off at a site. So there was a, a pickup right near my apartment and a drop off right near the office. So I started riding bike to the office there every day. So that was really cool. That's very cool. And how, how long of a commute was that when you were actually riding? About 30 minutes. 
All right, so you're getting your exercise in the beginning and in the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, that is really interesting. Um, from a career standpoint, the move has led to a no- number of opportunities. Can you talk about any kind of career progression since you got to New York City? So what yeah. has changed in your role from when you first arrived to now? Sure. So when I first arrived, I was a managing director at okay. Deloitte. And since then, I've been promoted to partner. And oh. I've been promoted to the role I'm in now, where I lead our transaction tax practice nationally. That's that's incredible, because you've received so many promotions in your career, and you're a young woman. So to, to have all of that is, is quite an accomplishment. Any tips or points on managing a large team? I know you said connections, and you have an international team too, correct? Yes. We, I have team members in India and the U.S. So has... All of the meetings on Zoom, you were probably doing that on some level before, I would imagine, or conference calls. Yeah, more so Skype conference calls before. Okay. We didn't do video as much. Are you doing that more now? Just Absolutely. Pretty much every call is Zoom as opposed to Skype. Everything's on video now. So that's a big adjustment because you probably, you're talking different time zones. Mm-hmm. So what is that like managing when you have to set up a call with people in India? Yeah, so we usually work with our India teams earlier in the morning because okay. they usually work from like 11 a.m. to 7 or 8 p.m., which is our morning. So right. we'll we'll catch them in the morning at the end of their day, which is really nice because for what we do, we kind of have people working on things around the clock. You know, the U.S. team is working during the U.S. day. Right. And then the India team is working during the U.S. night. Okay. And then there's the overlap in the morning. Logistically, it has to be, I mean, you must have be having to think about all of those aspects all the time of the best time to organize things and how do you, you know, how do you do that for your employees so that they're able to participate in the US and you want to make sure that you're you're giving people space and time and organization and for you to be a woman with young children, you probably have had to sacrifice some time or some moments just so that you can make super early meetings or so that you can have late night evenings. Talk about the importance of maybe asking for help or having those conversations with your partner to say, you know, I have to go in at 5 a.m. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's absolutely used to it. And and we're always there for each other. I think part of the reason I've been able to be so successful is because my husband is like fully 50-50 with childcare, um, which I think is really important for people to have those kind of conversations with their partners to understand, you know, what is necessary for everyone to be successful right. and where some people may need to, um, you know, pitch in. So it's it's been really great. But, um, you know, just like I block time to get specific tasks done, I block time to be with my kids. Yeah. So I try to block two hours every night where, you know, we have dinner and can just relax, where I know I won't get any calls scheduled. Right. Um, But pretty much beyond that, I'm kind of an open book and available whenever my team needs. And so, you know, working with people in India, those are very early calls. Working with people in California, those can be later calls. But the fact that we're at home and it's easy to just pop into my home office and, and take the call and then come back with my family, that flexibility and fluidity is very great. Definitely one of the benefits that has come out of out of this pandemic. Today's episode will continue in a moment, but first... We all know affording college can be a challenge. Since 2004, the Central Penn College Education Foundation has been working to help students at Central Penn College invest in their futures with scholarships and support. 
Through the generous support of foundations and individuals like you, Central Penn College Education Foundation continues to impact the lives of today's students at Central Penn. Our Rise and Shine campaign is underway, seeking to raise a record amount of support, $1 million, for Central Penn College students in 2021. Check out www.centralpenn.edu slash education foundation to make your pledge now to support funding student scholarships at Central Penn College. Together, we can help these students rise to achieve their goals and shine in their career. So you've chosen some really good organizations to work with. It sounds like you really hit the jackpot with the the places that you were hired and the places that you worked. Talk about some attributes that you looked for in, in an employer where you wanted to work. Yeah, so I'm a huge fan of people being their authentic selves and being very transparent and being very supportive. And I found the culture at Deloitte was uh, aligned with that, mm-hmm. where there is a huge program around sponsorship and mentorship and you know the firm is very inclusive and supportive Um, that's really important to me and making sure that my team that I brought with me feels supportive as well and that's critical because you can look to climb the ladder and you can look for new positions but if you are not a cultural fit and you don't believe in the mission of where you're working you'll be miserable yeah, absolutely. So that's that's great. And from an employer standpoint, you also hire a lot of people. And we have a lot of graduates that are looking to find a new home, right, to find their first place of employment. What are you looking for in terms of employees? What are some of the, the most important qualities that you're looking for when you're hiring people? Yeah, so I am very impressed by folks who have done numerous things throughout their educational career, not just focusing on their education, but maybe having a part-time job, maybe getting very involved with volunteer, um, because I think it's important to have a dynamic background. Um, And I think that demonstrates the ability to multitask and and work hard. Like I've said numerous times, working hard and having that grit and perseverance, I think, leads to success. So when I'm looking at potential candidates, when I see things that show me that the candidate would be very hardworking um, and be able to manage multiple things, that's always a good sign. You know, I, I have this question here, but I don't, for some reason, something's telling me that you never, ever thought about quitting anything. But my, my question is, was there ever a point in your studies, in your career journey where there was so much going on or there was so much that you were managing that you thought, I need to step away from something? Absolutely. Okay. So Absolutely. You, so you feel that, but what prevents you from actually walking away? I do walk away from things. Okay. Absolutely. I think it's very important to set boundaries or else you're not going to get things done. And I think the reason I can be so productive and work hard is because I'm choosing what I want to be productive and work hard on. Um, A good example is when I was in law school. I I forget exactly how it worked, but if your GPA was above a certain percent, you were automatically invited onto law review. You didn't have to apply. Right. And so I got invited on law review when 
when I was in law school and I declined it because at the time I was working a full-time job. I was running a business. I was newly married. I was in law school at night and it just wasn't a priority for me. And everyone thought I was crazy to turn down the opportunity to be on Law Review, but it just didn't align with my priorities and passions at the moment. So I declined it. And I think there have been numerous things that I've walked away from that could be great opportunities, but I just wasn't passionate about it. And I think you really have to be, you know, if, if you're successful, many opportunities will come your way. and You just have to be thoughtful about what you put your time and energy into. I love that. So you don't have to accept everything that comes your way just because it might be a good opportunity. Absolutely. There, There's something with this generation, and you hear it all the time, fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid if they don't accept something that they're somehow going to be behind or they'll miss out. And you're saying the opposite. Make sure it fits in with where you are in that moment and your priorities. Absolutely. You don't have to say yes to everything. That's fantastic. So any advice for our moms out there? who are in school, who are working, who are raising little ones that want to be resilient but are sort of hitting that hitting that wall? What do you tell them to help them push on? So I think that it kind of going back to what I said earlier, just evaluating where you're spending your time and thinking about things that, you know, don't make you happy, that aren't productive, that aren't helping you achieve your goals. Um, there's always something that can be cut out and I think a lot of moms often cut out that that me time, you yeah. know, that time for yourself. I would suggest not cutting Don't that out. Don't do that. Yeah, that's very important. You know, think about, you know, how you can get other people to help. Um, right. You know, delegating certain things, even if it's as simple as, you know, having someone help you clean your house or something. Finding ways to just be more effective with your time. Me time is not selfish. No. Um, And you don't have to have guilt for asking for help. And I think that women oftentimes put an undue pressure on themselves to have to do everything alone. And that's not the case. Yeah. So very good advice. Kirsten Galata, you've been an absolute pleasure to have here. We end every podcast. I ask our guests a series of quick rapid fire questions. First response, first thing that comes to your mind. There are no wrong answers. So don't don't feel pressure. Everyone gets nervous at this portion, (laughs) but there's no reason to be nervous. It's just a, a little fun thing. So five questions. You ready? Yep. Okay. Number one, top song group or artist that's currently on your playlist right now. Billie Eilish. I knew you were going to say that. I love her. (laughs) I do too. All right. Dog or cat? Dog. Excellent. Every podcast member has said dog. I just want to point out. (laughs) All right. Best thing that happened to you in the last month? Saw my mom. Nice. Is your mom local so she doesn't live around here? She's here now. Yeah. I hadn't seen her for nearly a year. Oh, boy. Okay. So that is really good news. Uh, Favorite beverage? Diet Coke. And best piece of advice for Central Penn College students? Realize your full potential and tap into it. Thank you so much. It's been great having you. Thank you. Today's episode of The Bridge is brought to you by Central Penn College. Central Penn College offers career-focused programs that enable our students to transform their lives by landing jobs in their chosen profession. To learn more about investing in your career with Central Penn, visit us at www.centralpenn.edu. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bridge, hosted by Central Penn College President Linda Fadrizi-Williams. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a great rating on your favorite podcast service. The Bridge is available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, 
and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes of The Bridge, stories of resilience, courage, and innovation with Dr. Linda Fadrizi-Williams. We'll see you next time.